she Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's going okay. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. How was your vacation? Vacation was very fun, but now I'm sick. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think it's COVID. I think it's just a week of really bad air. <laughs> Fair. It was good. We, obviously, we spent most of that time at the Star Trek convention, which was weird because with the strike, nobody was allowed to even say Star Trek. We do not speak his name. Couldn't say the title oh. of the show. Couldn't say the name of the series. Couldn't give us any information about what was planned for this series, like what's coming up. They weren't even allowed to talk about things what? that they've done in the past. Couldn't talk about, not even just like Star Trek, but like they couldn't talk about any other shows or movies that any of them have ever done. So it was wow. kind of weird. Yeah, super restricted. But we were really grateful. Michelle Hurd, who plays Rafi in Picard, for anyone that doesn't know, apparently tried really hard. It like was largely responsible for making this even happen because pretty much all of the actors had planned to back out and she was the one herself. I guess she's kind of high up in SAG-AFTRA or has a fairly important role in SAG-AFTRA. But anyway, she took it upon herself to basically like negotiate with Creation Entertainment, who's who, the people that put it on to make it OK for the actors to be there and like basically came up with the agreement that was like, all right, well, the actors are going to go, but you just need to acknowledge that you know they're not going to answer questions about their roles and they're not going to say all these things. And so like she worked it out to make it okay for the actors to still go. Some still backed out anyway, but not too many. Most of them did still go. That's wild. So it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't... It was weird. It didn't occur to me that the strike would affect conventions. It didn't occur to me either until I got an email saying all of these people are not going to be there because of the strike. And also, here's these rules. Don't ask these kinds of questions. Jeez. So we're like, oh, all right, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But you know, there's still some interesting science talks, too. And there were production presentations like they talked about how they recreated. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't finished Picard yet, how they recreated a certain special ship. <laughs> and stuff like that so like because those people aren't in any of the unions that are affected right now they had a little bit more leeway to talk but okay but all the actors had to be pretty careful about what they could say but they were so they basically like all talked about how like how they got into acting what they like about acting <laughs> what other random projects they have going on like podcasts and some of them have music albums coming out and stuff like that so we learned about all their other things that they're doing <laughs> and other parts of their lives. All right. <laughs> that have nothing to do with Star Trek. <laughs> Did you get to go to the Neon Museum or whatever it was oh, no. that Colin yeah. suggested? Colin had suggested it, but we had already spent so much on Lyft because supposedly where we were staying was within walking distance of the Rio. And while, yes, it was still technically within walking distance, Google Maps thought that we should be able to just cross a highway that had no safe place to cross. So oh. we ended up having to take lifts to get there every day, which cost us more than we wanted. So we're like, all right, well, we've got one day of not having to go to the Rio for the convention because we had one day in town after the convention ended. We're like, let's just stay with the walking distance places. <laughs> That's totally reasonable. Yeah. So we actually ended up heading to Luxor and went and saw a King Tut exhibit, which was really interesting. Nice. And any of you following us on Instagram saw my many pictures and some commentary. Of <laughs> <laughs> no mentions of Google anywhere, Kathy. That's just such an oversight. Right. Also, I bought you a present there. <gasps> oh. Do you want me to tell you what it is? Or do you want me to surprise you? I don't know. I think. As long as it's not harpoon beer, surprise me. <laughs> it's not harpoon beer. It's better than harpoon beer. Harpoon coffee beer specifically. Yeah. Well, yeah, some harpoon beers are very good. The harpoon the harpoon Dunkin' Donuts collaborative beers yeah. are bad. <laughs> I love the pumpkin. UFO pumpkin. Yeah. All right. I will surprise you with your present. Yay. Uh, so we did that. We saw a Titanic exhibit, which was super interesting because we had kind of assumed that a lot of the things we were looking at were replicas. And they even had this giant piece of the Titanic hull 
And we're like, oh, oh. that's got to be a replica. Until we start reading the sign next to it about how they had dredged it up and preserved it. So they actually had like this uh, maybe like 12 foot tall and like 20 foot long section of wow. the actual hull. It was fascinating. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we did those things. And then, of course, anytime there's an aquarium, even though I still have mixed feelings about aquariums and whether or not they're nice enough to the animals that they're keeping in captivity, I will still always compulsively go to an aquarium anytime that there is one (laughs) available. So we saw a bunch of sharks at Mandalay Bay. Nice. And it was great because I love sharks so much. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It was good times. How much time do you have now before your semester starts up? I have three weeks left. Okay. Yeah. Three weeks left that I've, of course, already filled up with a bunch of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good. What's new with you? Haven't seen you in a while. Um, let me think. I noticed that your username is didn't have a vacation. No, I did not have a vacation. <laughs> we invited you. I know. I chose not to go. Yeah, that's fair. It ended up being way more expensive than we thought because uh, everything costs like three times as much uh, as we remembered it costing. Granted, it's been like, a long time since we were there, but... <laughs> I didn't remember it being so crazy expensive. I didn't go because I obviously hate Star Trek and all of sci-fi. Yeah. 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 Little known fact about Kathy. (laughs) Hates (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah. So I was here, I don't know, doing the normal things. Work. Coming home. Laying around. Cleaning sometimes. You know. (laughs) Good times. Oh, I... I did sign up to uh, take a basic rider motorcycle class. <gasps> That's exciting. Yeah. This all comes Very out of exciting. my aversion to driving cars lately (laughs) yeah that's understandable i actually have my motorcycle license that i've had for a very long time but i've never had a motorcycle and i keep threatening myself because i'm also afraid of motorcycles ironically despite the fact that i have my license because i have much more of a sense of mortality now than i did when i was in my early 20s and got it but then i couldn't afford a motorcycle and now i could and i'm like but death (laughs) yeah i don't i don't necessarily want one either but yeah i'm definitely not trying to discourage anyone i think that that's awesome and i keep thinking about going back and like retaking the course just so that because i would obviously need a refresher because it's been so long that's awesome good for you i was like well i can do that because i just there's no i keep looking around but there's no way to get around having a uh, an enclosed vehicle for some of the year yeah. in this yeah. state. <laughs> and that's kept Jeff and I Jeff and I have been trying forever to figure out how to go down to just one vehicle. Yeah. Especially with my schedule being the way it is in the normal school year when I only have to be at work 3 days a week and I leave after he does and I get home before he does. We're like, well, we could technically try one car, but Yeah. And yeah, it's and hard. I keep hoping, I'm holding out hope that like I see cool small vehicles of various kinds mm-hmm. when I look around the internet, but of course, some of them don't exist yet, and a yeah. lot of them are just unavailable here. Right, um, and it's it's very upsetting because I hate driving. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I understand. Yes. So anyway, I, I was like, understand. well, and, and then I was thinking about trying to get to like Collins. There's no feasible way to do that. I can get to you guys on an e-bike. That's not because we're awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's because yeah. I hate Colin. Yeah. But Colin's just a little bit further away yeah. and less. It would be tough to get to. Yeah, and I was doable. Like, there is a bridge that would take you there safely. <laughs> yeah. But it would be fine. It would also just, yeah, it would take a long time yeah. to <laughs> ride a bike to Collins. Yes. <laughs> Electric bike or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's so that's, cool. that's what's coming. Not until October, but yeah. Excellent. I have signed up and I think I can log in and take the three hour online part of it at any point, but I don't oh, nice. want to do it too soon because then I won't remember anything. There's a lot of nice electric motorcycles out there and that's what i had wanted if i was going to go back and retake the class and get an actual motorcycle i prefer an electric one nice yeah i know i've been yelled at by non-electric motorcycle people because it's like oh it's the easy way out because you don't have to like shift gears and you don't get the big loud muffler i'm like i don't care i like the environment and i don't want to destroy it and that's my main goal I you know you like what you yeah. like if it comes to a motorcycle I'm not judging but that wouldn't be my reason for getting a motorcycle my reason would be I want 
a fuel efficient way to yeah. get around that is cheaper than an electric car. I 100% judge people who want their motorcycles to be loud. They can Although, go yeah. fuck themselves. I do understand the logic behind that, that because it's going to help you to be more noticeable. But at the same time, when we were living in our apartment, there was a guy that would come home at like one o'clock in the morning and he would just rev the engine on his motorcycle that had no muffler on it every yeah. time he came home and wake everybody up. That I can't deal with. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. This is all very relevant it's to this episode. Super relevant. That I don't really remember because unlike you, I did not rewatch it recently. <laughs> I, yeah, it had just been so long. Like I because yep. I watched it I watched it back to back. Yo, you did too with the other I one. I did too. Yeah. Okay, well this will be interesting then. So at least you have a fresher memory of it than I do. I've got I got notes. Yeah, yeah. And a transcript. <laughs> Sorry, the dogs are barking because Jeff's mom just got here. Oh. I thought that was happening earlier. I did too. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, we'd have met earlier, but here we are. I, of course, got a message about like 10 of, is 7 o'clock okay? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go record anyway. And also, since I'm not feeling well, like like I mentioned, we were supposed to have dinner with them and... I canceled because I'm not feeling yeah. well. And she's like, well, can I stop by anyway? And Jeff's like, sure. I'm like, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> Puppy. Coconut will continue to bark for a little bit. So, Do you know who else had unexpected visitors? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? The people of the planet that Kelowna's on, which I still don't think we know the name of the planet. We don't. <laughs> No, I think we might have gotten a designation for it at some point, but never like what the actual people call it. Yeah, we just know the country names, but not the planet. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They did get some uh, many unexpected visitors. Indeed. Yes. Quite a lot. Uninvited, unexpected, unwanted. All of that. (laughs) What is this episode we're talking about where all of those things happen? This is Stargate SG-1 Season 7, Episode 2, Homecoming of Jonas Quinn. (laughs) Aww. Aww. I know. Starts with a flashback. Daniel's naked. He doesn't remember anything. You're Jack's friend, Daniel, and also a member of SG-1. You sneak, sneak, sneaks away from the planned fight with Anubis, so it's all up to SG-1.25 to save the day. The space battle was definitely not just ripped right from Star Wars. And uh-oh, Jonas was captured and Anubis has a big spiky ball for his brain. End recap. Very good. Thank you. In the gate room, Walter is receiving the IDC from SG-1. Sam comes in and says that their mission was mostly a success, but they do have a little bit of a problem. And that Anubis went into hyperspace, and he still has Jonas. And Daniel. And Oh, right, and Daniel. I forgot that Daniel was still on the ship, too. So this is what I get for not rewatching the episode. Yeah. And they have no idea where he might have gone. Meanwhile, on Anubis's ship, Jonas seems just fine for having a giant spiky metal ball. He's kind of walking around and complaining that he's got a little bit of pain. But otherwise, he's surprisingly okay. He is talking with Anubis, basically trying to tell Anubis what an idiot he is. And Anubis is like, well, your insolence amuses me. (laughs) But he has learned a lot of valuable things from Jonas. And he knows that Daniel must be on the ship somewhere. And they are looking for him right now, even though he continues to have that isotope that helps him hide from the scanners. Anubis figures it's just a matter of time until they're able to find him. They leave hyperspace, which Jonas notices. And Anubis is like, yeah, we've reached our destination. It should look pretty familiar. Welcome home. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket And we get an exterior view of Kaluna with Anubis's ship. It was interesting how it came into the atmosphere, just like, whoom, like blue sky. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, just dis- quickly descending giant spaceship. Yeah. It was an interesting effect. Yeah. The hovering was very familiar looking, though. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just like Independence Day. Exactly like Independence Day. <laughs> Except that unlike Independence Day, the sky was all really bright before the aircraft descended, <laughs> which made no sense because 
it would have been blocking out at least some light, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very Independence Day like. So I was watching the credits again, which are yeah. the same as last week. And yeah. it's really funny. So it's still like 90% jack shots. Right. <laughs> Sam only gets like her face and then there's like one shot of her and Teal like shooting guns. Yeah. That's it. Teal gets nothing. He doesn't get anything. I thought he. At least oh, he got gets. A oh, you know what? Just kidding. He got more. He got a couple. That's right. Oh, okay. I'm making that yeah. up. I apologize. Hammond uh, gets none. Hammond he gets, gets his glamour none. shot in that yep. day. And then Daniel. Daniel even. I feel like, you know, he's at the end now. It's all like, oh, and Michael Shanks. Do do do. But yeah, he still only gets like his staring there with his doofy look on his face, glamour shot. <laughs> and then I don't know what it is. It's just something. It's almost a. Uh, Zoolander face. <laughs> Blue steel. Blue steel. <laughs> it's beautiful. Who cares about Derek Zoolander anyway? And then, like, there's a shot of him fighting Anubis, but you can barely tell it's him. So, really, yeah. it's really just the Jack O'Neill show. Jack All and Richard Friends. Dean Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if the booklet is to be believed, it is just all about Jack it's and true. occasional friends. <laughs> Can O'Neill manage this? Can O'Neill save that? Yeah. After credits, the team is in the briefing room. Well, the team, SG one half, basically <laughs> debriefing Hammond on what's going on. And Hammond's letting them know he doesn't know anything either. The Toker don't know anything. This is completely random, but I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about the UAP testimony before Congress and how the news of that story was broken in the debrief. But the fact that they kept calling it the debrief rather than debrief, which is how I've always said it, was weird oh. to me. Is it just me? Do you, you said you said it the same way that I did, debriefing, right? Debriefing, yeah. Yeah. They kept saying debrief. the debrief, and it debrief. sounded weird to me. Interesting. Like, Tin Man, but backwards. <laughs> well, okay, here's another one. This has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. So if I'm shortening the word administrator, I say admin. Yeah. A lot of the IT people I have dealt with always say admin as no, if they're just continuing wrong. it. They're like... wrong. <laughs> they're wrong. And I can say this with authority because Jeff admin is part of his, like administrator is part of his title and he always just shortens it to admin. No. It's not admin. admin. No. <laughs> Well, the min so. is emphasized in administrator, so, you know, admin. It's true. But no, it's admin. <laughs> it's okay. It's like the people who call it New Haven. No, that's not what it's, it's not called. New Haven. It's New Haven. New Haven, yeah. <laughs> know how I know yeah. you're not from here. That's yeah. how. Oh, right. Or calling it Berlin instead of Berlin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this has been Random Pronunciations and Connecticut Towns. Yes. And Mary. <laughs> And back to our show. Yes. They have not heard anything about Teal'c either. So it's really more Hammond telling them things rather than them telling him anything. Yeah. <laughs> they are speculating that you hung them out to dry. Sam's like, well, you probably didn't make a deal with Anubis given their history. But, you know, you is not trustworthy because he's a gold. Walter then interrupts with an unscheduled off-world activation. Walter, always interrupting to say the same thing. No, They are getting a radio signal from Ambassador Draylock of Kelowna. She's like, we need your help. Hammond's like, I've told you before, we're <laughs> not interfering with your internal affairs, okay? And he sounds really annoyed. He does. <laughs> so I thought it was funny. I wonder how many times they've harassed them. <laughs> Holy shit, I just realized I have an unopened bag of gummy bears. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Time to eat some gummy bears. Oh man. Too bad you don't have any wine to dump them in. I know, but I have this other drink, but I don't have it in the glass, and they'll get lost forever in the can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Draylock, though, tells Hammond that it's not the internal squabbles of their world. It's the fact that they are under attack by Anubis. Uh-oh! Not good. Finally, we find out what happened to Tilk. He is being held in some prison cell. Do we get a name for the first prime? Is Oshu the first prime? I think so. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oshu, the first prime, comes up to see him, and Tilk tells him that Lord Yu is without honor for basically chickening out of the fight that was promised. <laughs> Oshu is 
surprisingly honest with Tilkir and says that his master is not well and spends most of his time in the sarcophagus, but the sarcophagus doesn't really even seem to be helping anymore. He basically has what sounds like the Gould version of Alzheimer's or dementia because he keeps forgetting things and getting confused and is kind of paranoid and constantly questioning Oshu and getting mad whenever Oshu tries to gently remind him what they're <laughs> supposed to be doing. So that's not so great. Tilk says that all of the Jaffa are in a lot of danger and something needs to be done about this. But Oshu says that he can't betray Lord Yu. As far as he's concerned, Lord Yu is still a god, although he seems to have some doubts at this point because what kind of god gets dementia? So he... Seems to kind of be asking for Teal'c's help with the situation and isn't really quite convinced that he should really act out against you. But Teal'c has a good point saying that if Yu's empire falls, millions of Jafar are going to die and Lord Yu's going to be remembered as a fool and look really bad. So maybe the best thing to do is act against Lord Yu to protect his legacy, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how Gould... Alzheimer's or dementia works? Is it the host's brain and the hagfish just can't make the host brain work? Is it the hagfish brain? Is it both brains? I mean, it seemed like it was implied, or I think Oshu even said he can't take a new host anymore. So I feel like it's got to be a hagfish problem primarily. At least partially involving the hagfish. And then maybe the hagfish can't repair body properly yeah. even with the sarcophagus yeah and that host is the host brain fantastically old anyway <laughs> indeed <laughs> fantastically <laughs> on Kelowna they are receiving SG-1 <laughs> they being uh Drelock and the military guy Hale Sam and Jack come through and say hi Hale lets them know the ship is hovering over their city. A bunch of Jaffa have already come in and taken over the Capitol building. He says that they are in a bunker hundreds of feet below an army base on the outskirts of the city. So they should be protected there. Sam does have a communicator. So she's going to try to get in touch with Anubis's ship because Jonas Quinn is on there. Jack radios up to Daniel who answers. Jack asks what his situation is, and he says, he's hiding. What's yours? Except that he's actually wandering the halls aimlessly, so he's not hiding very well. (laughs) No. (laughs) But there are many nooks and crannies he can duck into should he need to. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. There's always many nooks and crannies to hide in. Daniel doesn't know where the ship is because he hasn't had time to look outside. Jack lets him know they're over Kelowna, or the planet in which Kelowna is. They don't know why they're there, but I feel like it would have been pretty obvious. Yeah. But anyway, Jack asks Daniel if he's in immediate danger. And Daniel's like, depends on what you mean by immediate. And it was just such a Daniel line. <laughs> it really was. It was... <laughs> yep. He says he's fine. He's just trying to find Jonas now. And he's got to figure out how to turn off a force field to get him out of his cell. And he's a little lost. And three hours from now, he will be detectable by Anubis's sensors. Jack says business as usual then. And Daniel's like, I don't know. Is it? <laughs> and that was good because I actually forgot that he had forgotten everything too until he said that. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> because again, the memory loss was kind of pointless. Right. Um, yeah. Because he's gotten most of it back now, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> Not all of it, but a lot of it. Yeah. So that yeah. was the end of conversation, basically. Yeah. yeah. Back with Tilk and Oshu. Oshu is still having second thoughts, but Tilk's kind of taking the lead on this. They are going to just order around the Jaffa as though the orders came from Lord Yu, even though they clearly haven't. And they're going to try to combine forces with the other system lords to mount an attack against Anubis and just kind of hope Lord Yu continues to nap through the whole thing, <laughs> essentially, is the plan. Yeah. Baal calls in at this point and asks where Oshu's master is. 
and also notices that Tilk is there, so accuses them both of being a traitor. Tilk tells him that would be pretty stupid because he would miss the chance of getting rid of Anubis forever if he were to just ignore them and be on his way. <laughs> so, you know, that gets Ball's attention. A little bit. Yeah. Then we are back in the bunker. There is like a big table with a bunch of random crystal things on them. Cylinders just kind of jutting up from the table surface. And I did not know what that was about. Yeah. I don't know what they were. Anyway. I thought it was supposed to maybe be data crystals that they'd gotten from somewhere. But I don't know where. Maybe. But then that's what I was kind of thinking. But then later... They don't know what a gold crystal is, so oh, I don't. Think- I missed that part yeah. then. So yeah, I guess I'm wrong then. I yeah. thought that maybe SG One had like collected these crystals from somewhere and brought them for. Oh, I don't know. I mean, data they- recollection. If they did, they didn't say that. But anyway, yeah. all right, whatever. <laughs> anyway, there's random things on the table. Military man Hale is telling them what has happened. That they were caught off guard. There's been a lot of panic, and before they knew it. The High Council had been taken hostage and the First Minister has been executed because they wouldn't give in to Anubis's demands. He's also fired some shots into the city, killing a bunch of people. So they gave in after that. Kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. They gave him all of their Nequadria. All of it. All of it. All of it. All of it. He then steps away to answer a transmission that's coming in. Sam's like, oh, he Anubis used the mind probe on Jonas and found out about the Nequadria. Jack's like, well, then he knows the stuff only works half the time. <laughs> Sam says, just because we couldn't <laughs> make it work doesn't mean he can't, which is 100% a reasonable... Uh... Right? Seriously. <laughs> it's Anubis. <laughs> right. Yeah. He knows at least a few more things than you do. Just a bit. Uh, just a, a couple. Yeah. <laughs> On use ship, Oshu, Tilk, and Bal are continuing their little meeting. Bal is still incensed that they are acting without Lord Yu being there and is still very skeptical. Mm-hmm. Oshu even comes out and says that his master is no longer able to lead the combined forces of the system lord, which makes Bal extra angry to hear and he definitely thinks that Oshu is a traitor after hearing that <laughs> so they're like all right well if you don't want to hear what we have to say then let's go who maybe find Bastet or somebody else and Ball's like well now hang on a second <laughs> don't be so hasty just because I said you're traitors and I don't want to work with you doesn't mean I actually don't want to work with you <laughs> do you have Lord Yu's troops following you by any chance and Oshu's like yeah duh, of course I do Oshu promises that if he says that they need to obey Baal, that they will obey Baal because they will do whatever Oshu says they need to do. So they've got Baal on their team. And Tilk has to go and contact the Tauri to let them know what the plan is. Yeah. So they're off to find Stargate. Yay. Yeah. In the bunker. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Sam wants to know why Anubis is still there if they gave them all of their Nequadria. And he is like, <laughs> And apparently they've rounded up all the archaeologists. Hmm. So that can't be good. No. Sam speculates he's trying to find the Stargate. Hale assures them the place they are in is top secret. The place they are in has the Stargate. Probably yes. worth mentioning. Yes. The place they're in does have the Stargate. <laughs> yes. It's in the background, but they're not talking yeah. about it, so it's not necessarily obvious if you're not seeing the scene. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he says they moved it when they went to war with the other people on the planet, Terranians and Andarians. Yeah, Andarians. Like, Andarians, yeah. And they're like, yeah, we managed to negotiate a ceasefire, though, by using the big bomb that you all warned us was going to be terrible. Yeah. And guess what? It was really <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Who, who could have seen yeah. that happening? Yeah. On the bright side, though, we defend our choice as saying we had no choice. Many Colonians would have died if we hadn't done anything. And by the way, now we're all negotiating peace. So it, it was great, except Yay? it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. The delegates for the other nations are actually in the city 
because they were about to start their peace talks. Sam asks if they know about the Stargate. They don't. Jack's like, well, maybe they noticed a large ship floating in the sky, though, so you might as well tell them what else is going on here. That's a good point. Hale's like, well, we were hoping we wouldn't have to because Anubis has everything he came for and he may just leave. Sam's like, but if Anubis figures out how to work the Nequadria, he might come back or stick around because he would want more of that. Apparently, the mine, though, is dry. However... Sam points out that Anubis would be unlikely to take their word for it and may go and destroy their world in search of more Nequadria. Hmm. Sam says they are willing to help out fighting Anubis, but they need to ensure that everybody on the planet in charge is on board. Then we're back up on Anubis's ship. There's, I guess, a scientist of some sort who looks a lot like Tanith. And for a minute, I thought it was Tanith. I was like, where the hell did Tanith come from? I thought he was dead. He's dead. It took me a while to realize it wasn't actually him. He's been analyzing the Nequadria, this Tanith lookalike. Instead of Tanith, it's Tanish. (laughs) Yes, perfect. I couldn't think of anything that is perfect. The Nequadria has the potential for a lot more energy output than regular Naquita, which of course we already knew, but it also means that it's not stable, which we also already knew. <laughs> Anubis will not accept failure, so he doesn't care what Tanish has to say. He wants Tanish <laughs> to figure out a way to harness that power anyway. Tanish asks if they've gotten everything that they can out of Jonas Quinn, and if so, why not kill him? And Anubis is like, eh, I don't know. He might still be useful. We'll keep him around a while. He specifically mentions Jonas's physiology. Yeah, yet again, another reference to that, which seems to come to nothing. Yeah, so I really can't remember. He has to come back at some point to address this, right? This is like dangling threads all over. I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) I hope so, but I don't remember. Elsewhere on Anubis's ship... Daniel is still working his way to Jonas. He manages to find himself in a storeroom close enough that they can talk through the walls, kind of, or some vents that are there. Yeah, Daniel was, like, banging on the walls trying to find Jonas's cell. And I was like, good thing he didn't accidentally knock on the wall to a room full of gold before he right? managed to find Jonas. <laughs> so he checks in with Jonas. <laughs> they say they're they're there and they're fine. Jonas wants to know if Daniel can get him out of there. And Daniel promises he's working on it. And that was that. Yeah. I was wondering, I was thinking about, so Thor, I know Thor is a lot more advanced, but like yeah. Jonas couldn't try to take over the ship with his mind. With that right? Yeah. Up. Like, come on, Seriously. Jonas. You're advanced. He is. He's very advanced. <laughs> he's got his advanced physiology. Yeah. Whatever that is. Right. Yeah, you'd, you'd think, but no, never happens. No. Nope. Back down in the command bunker on Kelona, everyone is gathered. All of the ambassadors, the available members of SG-1, and the higher-ups from Kelona, everyone's there. They're talking about the Stargate and what it does and how it works. And, of course, the ambassadors are incredulous about it. Tilk comes through. They are a little disturbed to see one of the enemy soldiers, but of course, SG-1 vouches for him. SG half. Sam and Jack vouch for him. <laughs> Sam says that they got Tilk's message through General Hammond, so they also know what the plan is now. Jack asks Tilk if he's nuts, but Tilk says that it's really their only choice. He might be nuts. I don't know. I think we all know that he is nuts. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> On Anubis's ship, Daniel and Jonas continue to talk through the vents or whatever. Daniel breaks the news that Anubis's ship is at his home world, but Jonas already knows. Jonas is beating himself up about it. He's like, if it wasn't for me, he would never know about the Nequadrian. He wouldn't be able to find my planet. And I joined Stargate so that I could protect my people. And now I've brought them right here. And that's terrible. Poor Jonas. Didn't he also kind of join Stargate because he had literally nowhere else to go because he was exiled? Though Yeah, he was a traitor (laughs) on his world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a traitor because he was trying to protect them. But that, yeah. yeah, saying that he joined SG-1 just to protect them isn't really 
read the whole story. Yeah. Daniel tries to cheer him up by being like, we'll find a way out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the bunker, Jack doesn't really want to trust Bal. Good call, Jack. <laughs> Tilk's like, well, I don't trust him either, but right now we kind of have to, though. They're just basically re-elaborating the plan that I already mentioned. Yeah. They're going to all unite against Anubis, and Ball is the last one to join them, and he's going to help to lead the attack. Hale asks if Anubis is destroyed. How do they know that Ball's going to leave us alone? But that was part of the agreement. So. <laughs> Anubis always what holds can... to his agreements. Not Anubis, yeah, sorry. Absolutely. That was Ball. the gold. All of them yeah. do. Yeah, so... Nor's like, well, the other guy wasn't very trustworthy, and now you want us to trust this guy? And everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm thinking, no, Nor is right to question this. You keep trusting Gould, and it never works. No. Meanwhile, Severin, who I guess is the name of the ambassador from Tyrania, doesn't really give two shits about what's happening in Kelowna because this giant ship is only over Kelowna. So he's like, I guess I'm going to go home now because my country is fine. But everyone's basically like, yeah, well, if they destroy Kelowna, where do you think they're going to head next? <laughs> they're not going to just leave it at that and then go away. This is where Jack asks, haven't you ever heard the story of the dancing monkeys and the dog? And that's, as I mentioned last time, was like, what the hell is he talking about? Reference to last episode. Yeah. Sam doesn't know what he's talking about, though, and looked very confused. <laughs> yes. Jack's like, yeah, it's about getting along and dancing. Sam interrupts, though, to say that, exactly as I just said, Anubis isn't going to just stop at Kelowna. He's going to keep going from there until he's destroyed the planet. So probably for the best if all of them work together. Also, the Earth people are not going to work with the people from this planet unless there's agreement from all three countries about what the course of action should be. Good times. Yeah. Up on Anubis's ship, Tanish is there to report he has made the Nequadria work. He's overcome the instability, he believes. Anubis is like, all right, well, we're going to test it by destroying one of the cities below us. Tanish warns that he doesn't know what the destructive power will be and it could destroy the whole city and Anubis is like yeah and then that will be awesome and you will be congratulated <laughs> so yep yeah yep back down in or below even that city in the bunker they radio to Daniel and try to update them on what the plan is and also figure out if he's found Jonas of course he has found Jonas they've got a couple hours to Ball's fleet arrives, and Daniel's like, cool, but I've got 15 minutes till my isotope wears off. And then they're all going to know how to find me. And also, there's some Jaffa coming, so Daniel out. <laughs> he and Jonas go and try to do some other hiding elsewhere. Well, Jonas is still trapped right now. Oh, right. That's right. He goes and hides. Yeah. Lace. <laughs> Under a like behind a storage container or something. <laughs> yeah. Not very well out of sight, but somehow the guys don't see him anyway. No. <laughs> Elsewhere, they're ready to fire the weapon. Or, yeah. or at least to charge the weapon, apparently. It needs to be charged before firing. Yeah. So they're going to do that. While the Jaffa that went into Daniel's hiding room keep looking for him in that tiny room. <laughs> it's taking them a long time to find him <laughs> and somehow not seeing him right yeah it takes them a long time to search a very tiny room and somehow they still manage to not find him <laughs> even though he's literally just behind a box that if they looked around the box they would see him yeah fortunately for daniel at least tanish is reporting that the generator is overloading and he can't stop it from overloading <laughs> Very similar to the overload on the hyperdrive. Yeah. So there's some explodiness on the <laughs> ship itself. Like, we see the outside of the ship and then there's an explosion, like, on the underbelly. Yeah. And that causes the Jaffa in the hidey hole that Daniel's in to be like, okay, something's going on. Time to go. And then Anubis has the scientist killed. Scientist being Tanish. Yes. Goodbye, Tanish. Yes. We hardly knew you. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Daniel continues on with his rescue efforts. He makes his way to the outside of Jonas's cell. Jonas wants to know what happened, but Daniel doesn't know. Conveniently, the explosion was enough to not cut power to the force field, but it is kind of flickering on and off. Yeah. In and out, Jonas tries to touch it and hurts his arm. So he's like, all right, well, that didn't work. So why don't I just try running through it instead? (laughs) Which seemed really dumb, but whatever, it worked. I would think that he would have already led with the arm that was hurting, but no, he leads with his other arm instead because, you know, if you've already got one bad arm, why not have two bad arms? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He does manage to get the timing just right and leaps through just as it flickers out. Even though it's flickering in and out randomly, he managed to time it perfectly (laughs) somehow. And he's fine, except for the left arm hurts. The one that he touched it with first hurts. The other (laughs) one is okay, I guess. He's all right. You son of a bitch! Yep. (laughs) So they run off. (laughs) I liked in this part when Jonas is asking where they go, Daniel points one way and says this way and then runs down a different hallway. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) (laughs) This this is a very good indication that Daniel doesn't really know where he is. And it was funny. Yeah, (laughs) I missed that entirely. Jack returns to the SGC... He has a little chat with Hammond in the gate room, letting him know that they're in position, but the Colonians would like to have some more weapons and troops, maybe, because there's a lot of Jaffa running around their city. Hammond's like, well, I can't authorize that without the Pentagon's approval. And Jack's like, well, mm, how about I just take a couple of SG teams with me as technical advisors? (laughs) So Hammond agrees to that, and that's about it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) In the bunker, Sam is basically just talking about the defenses on Anubis and how Baal might have a chance because Anubis's shields are less than 40% effective in the atmosphere. They're not as good as they are out in space. And then Draylock reports that Anubis's men are ransacking the Museum of Antiquities, and they're probably looking for the Stargate in there, which is obviously not where it is because it's in this bunker here. (laughs) Sam says that Anubis would be smarter than to think that they would keep it in a public place, but most other places have (laughs) their Stargate in a public place, so why wouldn't they? Very okay, Sam. Yeah, but she assumes that they must be looking for something else. And asks what else they might possibly have there. Nothing important, according to Hale. Sam asks if there's any tablets. There were, but they are top secret tablets. And only given to the scientists working on the Nequadria project. So Sam's basically like, well, duh, that's obviously what they're looking for. Because they're probably trying to figure out how to use Nequadria. <laughs> Jonas and Daniel are continuing to sneak, sneak, sneak throughout Anubis's ship. That's the end of that scene. Yep. Jonas can wiggle his fingers now. Yeah. He do that before, Ooh. I guess. Yeah. You just wiggle your finger. That's wonderful. I've always been a quick eater. <laughs> Shall I continue? Yes, please. <laughs> Jack has returned to the bunker with the other SG teams, and the military guy is like, eight men? That's it? Jack's like, eight good men. So there. <laughs> Hale's like, that's not a lot of people against the thousands of soldiers and all of their weapons. Jack's like, we need to focus on the ship first. You know, gotta triage the situation, buddy. Yeah. yeah. And then once there's no ship, then we can turn our attentions to the Jaffa. Sam reports that she has figured out what Anubis is looking for. It's not particularly a tablet, but in fact a crystal. The Colonians who found it thought it was just decorative because they don't know about crystal technology. Mm. Yeah. Despite their table full of crystals. Yes. <laughs> Sam explains to the Colonians that the gold use crystals to store information. Sam thinks that perhaps there's information about the actual experiments that the original Gould who was hanging out there did. Anubis will maybe find some helpful information on that crystal. They need to find this crystal before Anubis does because Anubis might be able to make the Nequadria work then. Hale tells them that everything from the museum is in a warehouse for safekeeping. 
keeping, keeping, <laughs> safekeeping, they are going to go quietly there. They're not going to send a bunch of people over there because they don't want to draw attention. Draylock is going to lead Sam and Tilk there to find this crystal. Jonas and Daniel continue to try to sneak around the ship and figure out a way to get off of the ship. But there are Jaffa closing in all around them, and Daniel's only got a minute until his isotope wears off, so that sucks. He's wishing that he was back on the planet where SG-1 found him, because it was simple. And then they have a little heart-to-heart about how Jonas can keep the office. He doesn't care about the office. And Jonas is like, yeah, but what about your role in SG-1? And they talk about loving the job, but it's a hard job with bad hours. But on the bright side, they get to travel a lot. <laughs> it's like, you're very up, aren't you? <laughs> yes, he is. Jonas talks, of course, about how he doesn't think that Jack is comfortable having him there. And Daniel's like, well, he thinks that you're great, according to what he's told me. And also, Jack doesn't like anybody. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jonas is very insecure about whether or not Jack likes him. I feel like yeah. he's been reassured multiple times at this right. point. Even by Jack himself at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as they're continuing to have their little heart-to-heart, they're still looking around for where to go. And then suddenly Jonas comes up with the idea of a ring. Daniel says that wouldn't do them any good since there's nowhere to ring to. So I guess we have a final definitive answer that you do need to have another ring to go to. I guess. As long as it's convenient. Yeah. Unless it's not convenient and then you can ring anywhere. Who knows? (laughs) Jonas remembers that there was a ring platform when they first uncovered the Stargate. So wherever that ring platform is, even though it's thousands of years old, hopefully it still works. They're going to give it a try (laughs) because they don't really have any other options, I guess. In Kelowna on the planet, Sam and company have arrived at the warehouse where all of the museum artifacts are stored and they start looking around for it. Back with Daniel and Jonas. (laughs) The isotope has apparently worn off because the Jaffa suddenly know where they are. Why would that even matter? Why can't they just find Jonas using his ball in his head thing? Or the fact that Jonas doesn't have an isotope. You would think that they could just figure out that Jonas is not in his cell and track Jonas. Didn't Jonas have an isotope too? No. Didn't they oh, come no, together? Oh, no, I guess he did. Yeah, he but did. Then he got he caught. Got so. the ball in his head. So yeah. the ball in his head would give them another way to track him. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Unbelievable! <laughs> Thanks! Fear happened. <laughs> Thank you. And Snappy! Ooh. It is a lime lager. I don't think mm. you'd probably like it. Interesting. Uh, it's 12% beer project. It's very Pilsner-y, oh. but also limey, so maybe that would kind of help hold, hmm. hide the Pilsner flavor. For maybe. You. I love a Pilsner, so. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Daniel and Jonas, however, managed to zat the Jaffa that encounter them. Sam is being a pessimist as they look around some (laughs) warehouse for the crystal that they need. I forgot about that quality of hers. (laughs) Yeah, it's really random. Sometimes she's very optimistic and then randomly for no reason she can be very pessimistic. (laughs) She finds it a second later. Or no, Teal'c finds it a second yeah. later. But unfortunately, some Jaffa come in right at that point. Daniel and Jonas get on the ring transporter platform. And Daniel asks where the ring goes. Jonas is like, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably not very promising generally. However, it does end up being super convenient because they ring down into the warehouse pretty much right in the middle of the Jaffa holding... Sam and Teal hostage with the crystal, and they're able to take out all of the Jaffa. <laughs> what are the odds that trapdoor laid me out here? Sam thanks them and says, "Nice timing." Draylock is apparently still there. Totally forgot Draylock was yeah. still there and recognizes Jonas, and actually seems happy to see him despite his outcast status. Daniel asks where they are. Sam tells them that it's the warehouse with all the Google World artifacts in it, including a ring platform. (laughs) Thanks, Sam. Obviously, they've figured out there's a ring platform in there. We've all figured out there's a ring platform in there. I don't know why she felt the need to say that, but she did. 
they've got the crystal. The Jaffa are all out, so they're going to be on their way. Because <laughs> there's probably more Jaffa coming. Yep. And next, they've arrived back at the bunker. Mm-hmm. SG-1 is all together again. SG-1.25, even. Yeah. Sam pulls out the crystal. She's like, I got that right here. When Hale comes over and is like, how about you give me the crystal? And Sam's like, mm, I'm more comfortable hanging on to it. And he's like, too bad. Give it to me. And a bunch of Jaffa come in because he has made a separate arrangement with the Jaffa to screw over everyone else. Ass. Yeah. Harak is there. First prime of Anubis, as usual. Of course. Yeah. Not to be confused with dark helmet no (laughs) if there's one thing i despise it is a fair fight he demands their weapons be put down so they take off their weapons and hand over the crystal to hale jack calls him an idiot and hale's like well anubis is gonna leave Kelona alone okay cool yeah i'm sure that that's trustworthy jack's like yeah because you're a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) There's a fun little part here where Hale is like, well, he knows we don't have any more Nequadria, but there's probably some in Terranian territory because (laughs) we had a spy over there and we know you've been trying to build a bomb. And Severin, the Terranian ambassador, is like, yeah, but we didn't mind that. We stole it from the Andaris. And then the Andari ambassador just turns and slaps him. I thought that was hilarious. Just (laughs) such a weird reaction. (laughs) And Jonas is like, what the fuck, guys? Stop this. We need to be together, not fighting each other. Yep. (laughs) We're all screwed if we don't. Yep. Harak is like, everybody stop and shut up. He knocks Jonas down because Jonas was still talking. Yeah. Good thing (laughs) that knocking Jonas down wasn't enough to loosen the spiky ball in his brain. Enough to poke something important. I want to know how the spiky ball gets in, and then can it come out again? Well, I see when... Well, I'll, I'll wait until the end okay. of the episode, because I was like, does he still have the spiky ball in his head? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We don't get answers to that. Maybe they build a tiny ring platform in people's brains, <laughs> and then there's an outside tiny ring, and they tiny ring the... Do, 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 do. Yeah, in, the spiky ball thing into the brain, and then they yeah. can zhu it out again at the end. Yeah. yeah. That's very practical. Yep. Harak has Hale give him the crystal. And then, unsurprisingly, Harak murders Hale. And then announces that the rest of them, everyone gathered in there, are going to be publicly executed to make an example of them. What a shocking turn of events. Yes. Unsurprisingly as well, Jack's like, I'm going to say a smart remark. Like, does it have to be publicly and Harak's like, how about I kill you now? And Jack's like, all right, it's fine. Publicly is fine. Ball's attack of Anubis's ship starts. That interrupts Anubis's attack of Kelona. There's a bunch of quaking of the bunker. And that gives SG one and a quarter just enough of an edge to start a firefight. So there's a lot of back and forth with Guns and bullets and staff weapons and zat guns. Everything's flying all over the place. At one point, Jack gets up and just shoots a bunch of bullets directly into a fan. (laughs) I saw that. Which made no sense because they didn't ricochet off the fan and like hit people or anything like that. Which I was like, is he trying to hit people via fan? Which is very unsafe because he could hit himself. But no, he just shot at the fan. Made no sense. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't understand the point of that at all, but yeah. So he gets up and shoots out a fan. Meanwhile, Harak is trying to dial out and escape the crystal, but Sam tackles him, which was great. And the crystal, oh no, hits the floor and slides away. Thankfully, he didn't break, though. On Anubis's ship, Baal comes onto a screen in the throne room and says, your ship is at my mercy. You are defeated. Surrender now. But then we pan over to the throne to see that nobody's on it. So I was confused about a few different things because, first of all, when people have come on the view screen before, hasn't there always had to be somebody there to throw the switch to bring the person on the screen? Like, 
Isn't it kind of like how it works in Star Trek where you get hailed and then you push a button to bring them on your screen? So who was there to push the button? The room was empty. Maybe there are different rules when you triumph over somebody. Maybe, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. But then also, can Ball not see who he's talking to when he's up on the screen to know that there's nobody sitting in the throne? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he thinks Anubis is hiding behind the throne. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Maybe so. We do also get to see uh, a tiny little ship fly away from Anubis's ship. So Anubis lives to be terrible another day. Oh, I actually missed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not even like a standard gold ship. It's like a flying saucer. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Did we get through... They get the crystal back. Yes. They, they are, get it off of the floor. They, Sam fights with her rock a bit longer, yeah. but is victorious in the end. And then Daniel is headed to grab the crystal off the floor, and Jonas jumps in front of a staff weapon blast to save Daniel, but he survives. So yeah. they can call it even. And good news, they have the crystal. Yeah, except that Harak escapes through the gate. And Tilk was standing there with his staff weapon aimed at Harak and didn't actually fire it and just let Harak go. Maybe Tilk harbors secret hope he can change hearts and minds of terrible, terrible (laughs) Jaffa like Harak. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Doubtful. Tilk kills a lot of Jaffa. Right? Yeah. (laughs) He was all about killing Tanith for a while. Yeah. Well, Surprised he wasn't overjoyed to kill this guy. Tanith murdered his girlfriend, so... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that was an extra special case. Also, Tanith was a gold, not a Jaffa. No, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm. Whatever. They all blend together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we're back at the SGC. Yeah. Everything's all hugs and rainbows. Yay. Except for that Jonas Quinn is leaving. Mm. They're in the gate room to say goodbye to him. Draylock says... That he's not a traitor. And then she also reveals that the other ambassadors refuse to work with anybody except Jonas Quinn from Kelowna. Well, I guess they have reason to not trust Kelowna and to like Jonas better. Because Jonas was like the one person against the bomb and left in protest of the bomb, kind of. That's true. I guess that makes sense why they would only be willing to deal with him. Yeah. So Jonas has a a big role to to go to on his planet. He says an individual goodbye to everybody. He says bye to Jack. And Jack clearly is like proud of him. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm like, I hope you got your approval finally, Jonas. Right. Yeah. As he's leaving through the gate, he does turn back to ask Daniel to feed his fish. (laughs) What about all the other animals in his terrarium? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then they're gone. Spiky ball and all, I guess. Spiky ball and all. Still in his head. Then we're just left with Daniel and Jack. Daniel's like, well, not that I mind rejoining the team and exploring the galaxy and saving the world, but um, we get paid, right? Yeah. (laughs) And Jack welcomes him back. And that is the end of the episode. Yep. That was a little silly, but weird. It was. (laughs) It got me curious about how much they would get paid for jobs like this. So, of course, I did some research to try to figure it out. According to militarypay.defense.gov, pay can, of course, vary very widely based on whether someone's an officer or enlisted and how long they've been serving. As a colonel, Jack would be 06, and as a major, Sam would be 08. I just kind of randomly guessed. Assuming Jack has served around 25 years, he'd be getting about $16,700 a month in today's dollars, which is about $200,400 a year. That's a nice salary. Yeah. And Sam, assuming she's been serving somewhere around 10 or 12 years, would be getting around $9,450 a month, which is $113,400. And then hostile fire, which is determined by a commanding officer, whether or not somebody would qualify for hostile fire pay is determined by commanding officer. And then there's also another type of extra pay you can get called imminent danger pay, which is assigned to an officer that's assigned to an imminent danger area, which I would think that the SGC (laughs) would be qualified as, but typically is for places like hostile countries, though. Okay. That only gives you an extra $7.50 per day. (laughs) 
<laughs> that you're either in hostile fire or in imminent danger territory. So that's kind of garbage. So you get yeah. an extra $225 a month for that. <laughs> and then there's also a bunch of extra tasks that are considered hazardous duty assignments that uh, it said a person can volunteer for it, but I'm kind of wondering exactly how much volunteering happens. <laughs> In these cases, but in any case, it's things like flying duty and parachute duty, demolition, experimental stress, Mm -hmm. chemical handling, and a bunch of other things. And you can get up to an extra $150 a month for that shit, too. So, ooh. Okay. Tons of money. It's super hard, like, impossible to tell, though, obviously, what Tilk and Daniel are getting paid because Tilk is not an official person and Daniel is dead. So. Assuming that they are getting paid something, Jeff and I was actually talking to Jeff about this, and Jack's, and Jeff was trying to argue that they wouldn't be getting paid anything. I'm like, well, then they're just slaves or indentured servants, and that's not legal. And he's like, but they're not real people. I'm like, yeah, stop it. <laughs> that, there's no way that Daniel's not getting paid. He yeah. maintains an apartment. He's not an independently wealthy man. He was right. famously in the movie, like, on his last, like suitcase of things. Right, exactly. And even if Tilk isn't necessarily getting a full salary and he's living on the base, I'm sure he's at least getting a stipend or something. But in any case, I couldn't really find too much about what they might be getting, so I just kind of randomly did a search for FBI salaries, figuring it was probably a similar level of danger. So they might be making up to around $100,000, but again, it kind of depends on like if they're being paid as a a military contractor or if they're being paid as employees or if Tilk is even being paid a salary <laughs> at all or whatever. Yeah. But then one important thing worth mentioning is the fact that as military members, Sam and Jack are receiving all of their copious health care for free. Mm. Whereas it's debatable whether Tilk, Daniel and Jonas would be getting their health care for free because... Like, you can have health care at your job and still have to pay for it. Like, I worked yeah. for a health insurance company, and there was a doctor's office that I went to at the health insurance company. It wasn't free for me to go there, though. <laughs> I still had to pay the doctor fee. So I'm thinking that they have a bunch of exorbitant medical bills at this point. I, I, I'm picturing Dr. Frazier <laughs> just fixing them up and then holding her hand out. Yeah, right? Demanding exactly. she be paid right now. Yeah, yeah. So they would have some health insurance, but... Just because there is a doctor's office at their job does not mean that they're getting that medical care for free the way that uh, yeah. Sam and Jack would. So I'd be interested to know. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So decent salaries, but the hazard pay is shit. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you're not an officer and you're just an enlisted person, then the pay is also way worse. <sighs> wah, wah. Yeah. So did we like the episode? All oh, right. Oh, I'll go first for a change. Oh, okay. I'd never go first, I oh, guess. God. I totally forgot that, that was, <laughs> my brain is tired. <laughs> uh, I did like the episode overall. I don't have a ton to say about this one. I thought it was entertaining. I thought, obviously, a lot of it was predictable when people are, like, getting betrayed by the Jaffa. <laughs> yeah. Who would have seen that coming? But overall, you know, there was lots of explosions and peril and i thought it was a good episode although i am of course upset that jonas is gone now and even though i knew it was coming i was still actually kind of surprised at how sad i was because again i knew it was happening i didn't remember exactly how long he was going to stay on the series for but i knew it was only around a year and i was still really sad that he's gone now yeah and it's fine it's fine that daniel's back i guess i'm not super upset about it but i would still kind of rather have jonas because Daniel can be annoying. And I was looking ahead a little bit, which I don't typically do. And I realized that one of my least favorite episodes, which is a Daniel-centric episode, is coming up very shortly. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I did like it. It was, again, like you, I don't have a ton to say about it because mm. it was just like an interesting, entertaining episode. And it was exciting. And... We lost Jonas, and that's the worst. Really is. But I'm glad he's being welcomed back with open arms to his planet. I guess. But I don't know. I, I He's probably happy to go home, but at the same time, I'm like, these people in his country suck. Right? Are the people in the other ones just as awful? Like, Hopefully not, but yeah. probably. Yeah. So good luck, Jonas. Keep smiling. 
since this is sort of a continuation of the last one, I'm still going to lodge my complaint about the pointless Daniel lost his memory. Oops, it's back again. <laughs> yeah, point, it was plot point. so very short-lived. It really did seem pretty pointless. <laughs> so yeah. dumb. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I don't I yeah, I don't have much other than that to say. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next then? Yeah, next. Let me get the I saw the thumbnail on the uh, upcoming episode, so I know what's coming. Oh, I haven't actually read it myself. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Next is season seven. Oh, wait. Oh, I did see. I actually did see this. Yes. Season seven, episode three, Fragile Balance. A 15-year-old infiltrates the SGC with the startling news that he is Colonel Jack O'Neill, two L's, having mysteriously reverse-aged 30 years overnight. Possessing O'Neill's knowledge, exact DNA, and above all, his attitude. Can he really be O'Neill? And if not, where's the real O'Neill? The real deal O'Neill, even. <laughs> A question to which the Asgard may hold the key. Oh. Let's see what the TVDB says. A teenage boy shows up at the SGC, claiming to be Jack O'Neill, sending the team on a mission to uncover his true identity. That is way shorter. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, I added a little bit into the other one, but not that much. <laughs> Interesting. If both Jack O'Neills are in the same room, do they have to say they have four L's? <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> I think that they should. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... Thank you so much for listening today. And please Woo. be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. And we would appreciate it if you left us any reviews wherever possible. Make sure you share with the world your love of this podcast. <laughs> and if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so by emailing us at stargatesing at gmail.com and you can also visit our website stargatesing.space where you can send us messages and also leave voicemails if you would like to hang out with us on social media we're mostly on instagram at stargatesing mostly i put a few things on mastodon when i remember <laughs> and then also at stargatesing on mastodon.world we got some requests to join threads, apparently, but I'm not convinced. Oh, I know. I, uh... I just got a message from Instagram that probably is fake, but what? said, your followers are looking for you yeah. on threads. Do you, I mean, yeah, I uh, I don't really want to get sucked into more metaverse. like Right? Yeah, I don't But really at the same time, I, Twitter was garbage and now it's like gone now it's even i don't know <laughs> yeah i was gonna say now it's not even a thing and it's even worse <laughs> even though the url is still twitter.com anyway yeah. <laughs> finally if you would like to help us with the costs of the podcast supporting us in that way can be done at patreon.com slash stargatesing i am kathy i am mary and you have been listening, but not you, Lord you. No, just no, you. He doesn't, he doesn't care about us. No. Yeah. He's too busy napping in his sarcophagus. Yeah. That's all right, because you, Y-O-U, are yes. better than he is. Yes. Anyway. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, Y-O-U, and you have been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. So she radios up to Daniel. No. Jack radios up to Daniel. <laughs> Jack radios up to Daniel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Doing fine. Yep. Everything's fine. Yeah.